The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A very happy Friday to you, one and all. 501, your kickoff time for the second hour of the Full Court Press, final hour of this week. It's been a good one to end, if you will. Mount West Conference football is coming back. October 24th is their start date with the December 19th Mount West Conference Championship game. And then after that, uh, you have, or uh, me, along with that, uh, you'll have an eight-game season in eight weeks. There is no buffer period. There is no, hey, if we have a positive test, we have a week to spare. Nada. Eight weeks, eight games, with that eight week being the championship game. Uh, a lot to get to. We want to recap and reset some of the other things that we've also talked about in the first hour and then um, repeat some of the comments or echo some of the comments from Commissioner Thompson. Eric France and there, I'm AJ Salveson. Again, welcome to the Full Court Press on 1069 The Fan. Uh, grateful to have you guys joining us, however and wherever. If you're just jumping into your car and turning on to the radio dial, thank you for doing so, first of all. Grateful to have you. Uh, let's, let's recap it for all three of though in the uh, first hour. What, what's that look for? So did you say recap it? No. Or, or did you say recap it? It sounded like you said recap it. Okay, you know what, Eric? You know your listening skills are very bad lately. That's been proven on this program. And it's been proven in the office as well. <laughs> you struggle sometimes in listening, Eric. <laughs> And I'd like to, I'd like Which to my wife would I'd like to call Mrs. Franson and this. say, "Hey, are you having the same issues as I am and how do you deal with those problems?" Uh Eric, let's go ahead and recap, okay? Recap and reset everything that happened in the first hour. Commissioner Thompson was on a call this or I mean, not a call, but an inner press conference this morning for a return to football uh with the Mountain West Conference and a, a lot of things that we got through. For me, the biggest takeaway was uh that this whole Mountain West Conference determination of who the champion is could be decided by the highest winning percentage of uh, the two teams. So, for example, instead of doing Mountain versus West, it's going to be, well, if Utah State and Boise State are the two highest teams, it doesn't matter if they're in the same division. And if, and if it's Boise State or Utah State, whoever has the highest winning percentage will host that conference championship game instead. Uh, again, that's just being... Discussed. discussed. It's not approved and made official, but that is one of the things that they're looking at. Uh, the bottom line is the Mountain West is going to start an eight-game conference-only schedule, but put an asterisk by that when I say that, an eight-game conference-only schedule beginning October 24th and conference schedule going through October 12th with the conference title game December 19th. The reason why I said put an asterisk by that is because Air Force still has a non-conference game scheduled in the middle of that eight-game schedule that the Mountain West would like to do. They've got a game against Army in early November already on their schedule. Uh, Conference Commissioner Craig Thompson also said there's a strong possibility that Boise State could keep its game, its non-conference game, against BYU, which would be later in the year. So it wouldn't be that Boise State would get an 8 plus 1. They would lose a conference game in order to make room for that 
non-conference game against BYU. And if you're a conference opponent who would have played Boise State instead, are you upset about that? Like, we're in the conference. Why are you kicking me out? You're going to go play those guys in Provo instead. That's a fair point. I don't know. It's a little weird. Um, (laughs) So there's that. Uh, The other thing that they've said is that um, you're going to do this antigen testing three times a week. It allows them to uh, detect the first, I guess, not even symptoms, but traces of the virus. And so they can isolate people quickly and identify them quickly. Um, but uh, the and the other thing is that the Mountain West itself, the conference alone, will fund the testing. This is the same company that's going to provide the testing to the Mountain West that's also had a partnership with the Pac-12. So it's been under a lot of scrutiny. It, uh, a lot of medical professionals uh, feel good about it. And part of this rapid testing, this quick turnaround, is what's precipitated this dramatic change within the last 7 to 10 days. Uh, because today, the MAC announced they, too, are going to return to play, but they will only play um, six games, conference only, and uh, but they aren't going to begin until November 4th. And then they'll have their championship game on December 18th or 19th. So similar to the Pac-12, a shorter schedule, uh, a little bit later start, um, but the Mountain West feels like they can get started two weeks sooner than the Pac-12 or the MAC, so they'll be modeling a very similar schedule like the Big Ten will be. So those are the big things from the press conference earlier today. Uh, Commissioner Thompson making it very clear that uh, they're working on things so that all 12 teams will be able to participate, but there is little expectation that all 12 teams will be able to play a full eight-game schedule. It's it's pretty um, pretty widely known and understood that there's probably going to be games that get canceled. And that's just what they will be, is canceled. Not postponed, not made up at a, la- a later date. They'll be canceled. If you want to be a part of the show, you're more than welcome to text in. Love to hear from you. What do you think about the football season? How excited are you? Are you excited at all? Is it too late? Is it too early? Is it too fast? Is it too much? 435-339-0321 to text in, 435-752-1069 to call in. In regards of fans, they said that the state, local health departments, and the government officials will make the decision for each team if how many fans they're allowed to have. Some will allow a few. Some will allow none. Uh, I'm kind of interested what New Mexico will allow, honestly, if they'll allow fans at all. Um, I know that Utah State's been in conversations uh, within the athletic department about how many fans they can have and how they can make it work. They want to have fans there. Uh, that's you know that's what they're excited about, but they want to make sure they do it the right way. And, and they have also been in constant communication with those people that are uh, making the decisions and uh, to be ready to go for that. Uh, by the way, the MAC is also announced that they're going to kick off their six-game football season. That will start November 4th. The Pac-12 starts on November 6th. You brought this up in hour one, number one, Eric. We got no leeway here. We start October 24th, and it is eight games in eight weeks, and if you miss a game due to an outbreak, tough luck. SOL. You will not be playing that football game, and it counts as a uh, cancellation. Yeah, so 
Gary Anderson alluded to this earlier this morning when he was on our sister station KVNU with Craig Hislop talking about uh, you know there's a, there is some concern about you know soft tissue injuries and trying to rush things um, but the thing is that Utah State at least they've been able to be doing some workouts they've been able to be running some drills they've been able to be in the weight room uh, they've been doing some developmental type things um, but now they get to try to ramp up and get ready for for a, a, a schedule, but uh, Gary Anderson this after earlier, or, uh, excuse me, later in the day, it was actually about an hour ago. I talked to uh, the media about you know what the challenges that that his team always faces with getting prepared for a coming season. The spring is really important for a school like Utah State. They need that time to develop young players into to understand their positions bulk them up because they don't get the four and five star players. So they have to develop the other players who they have to get into those roles and fill those positions. They didn't have that in the spring. They haven't had the typical weight program in the in the summer. They've got a truncated fall to get it ready. So it's a real challenge for Gary Anderson and his t- and, and his coaching staff to try to develop a team and get them ready for a fall season. I believe that three times a, uh, a week is good from what I've been told, but uh, I believe that's NCA guidelines from what I know. Um, and our trainers feel really good about that, and the administration feels really good about that. So um, I've been educated to... Sorry, we're, we're, uh, we're working on this. We apologize. Uh, yeah, that was the marker you gave me. <laughs> this should be fun. Uh, we'll get back to that in just a moment. Uh within that parameter again gary anderson met with select media today uh this afternoon about a quarter to four to talk to them about the upcoming football season um you know erica another thing i'm excited about is uh in, in just in regards of what utah state looks like in uh uh in regards of personnel right you know and what development you talk about development what is personnel is going to look like you said in the first hour this guy gets amped up when he gets to talk about practice and players and uh, who the kids are standing out and where they need to uh, get better at and uh, where he's excited about the most. So uh, do, we, do we want to risk trying this one more heck time? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, that is marker 10, if I count my fingers right. So let's uh, marker 10 it is. That's, that's exactly part of it. And we will still try to steal some strength work that we may not get in a typical fall camp. Um, you know, usually we lift them a couple times during fall camp. We're going to lift them three times a week during fall camp this year. Um, it's different because they're in school, so they're not with us all day long. So they're, the time that they spent with us is not what it would usually be within a fall camp. And so we'll adjust to all those things. Um, but, you know, the problems and the issues and the, the dilemma that we're, we're dealing with with being a developmental program. F this show. Marker 10. Well, we did get the chance to hear what he said about my previous wait, wait, lead-up. Wait, 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 Which was just, about the development. Okay, so that was about development, right? So I just interrupted development. Let's uh, let's move on to players. This is stupid. This is why you should run the board. Well, you know, depth is always, as you go through camp and you get to your first game, you know exactly what your depth is. But some of the key position battles I look at that I feel, I feel really good at running back. Um, I just, you know, Jalen Warren and... DHC have done a great job. John Gentry, Makakona, those we got some really good depth at uh, running back, and I feel good about that. The offensive line is is got some battles going on for that starting position right now, so we'll see how that all filters out. We haven't even been in pads yet, so uh, you know. But I think we can get hopefully we can get to eight quality guys in that situation. That's always kind of the way you feel. Um, 
you know, quarterback, we got a battle, and we got we got two really good players going about it. And you know, Andrew um, is doing a good job, and and Shelly's doing a good job, and they're battling through the offense. But we've got to get Pat on again to go. But we're going to need both those quarterbacks. Um, you know, wide receivers the same way. A lot of competition, a lot of guys fighting for those spots. I like where they're at. And on defense, I would say as a whole, uh, I feel good in the back end. Um, middle linebackers a, a great fight, and we've got about four or five guys that are fighting for those starting roles, but we feel like we've got to have four of those guys that can rotate. Um, you know, outside backer-wise, we feel fairly settled in that situation with the two young men that are playing out there, and uh, Elijah Shelton and uh, is doing a great job with Nick Henniger at the B-backer position, and Troy is our F-linebacker. He's one of our best players, and that is his position. Um, the D-line is a concern. Uh, we need to get we need to get better. Uh, we need to get um, tougher. We need to work harder, and we need to grind at it. And that's uh, that's a position that once we get the pads on, we'll see where we're at. But I'm um, Frank Frank. They're in good hands with Frank Miley. Um, and we'll see. And I'm, I'm, you know, right now I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with the specialists too. I think we're punting the ball well and kicking the ball well. So excited to see where that goes. But again, this is a, you know, overall it's a team that is a developmental team, and we're a developmental team, and we're always going to be a developmental team. I take great pride when I say that. Um, that's who we are. And that is being said, you need to get through camp before you know who you are as a football team. That was a two minute and two second answer. If that doesn't tell you enough about what uh, how pumped up Coach A is about this, I don't know what to tell you. That that's pretty awesome. Uh, he is excited about that defensive backfield. Troy Lafredge Jr. This kid was a freshman last year. Comes in and has just I mean he, you could see it in spring ball. Aggressive, willing to you know put the helmet on the helmet to you. Uh, you know willing to go right after you. Doesn't matter how big you are. And now he says he's one of the best defensive players on that side of the ball. That's pretty impressive to me, Eric. Yeah, I, I think that um, that I was really the the best part of the whole uh, press conference with Gary Anderson today. Him talking about his team and the depth and the position battles, um, and that's going to be fun to see how it plays out. And they're going to have a scrimmage next Friday. That's going to re- start to see players separate themselves. But that backfield, I think that's going to be a strength for Utah State. A lot of experience, a lot of talent. Uh, there's some good p- players at the linebacker, but that defensive line is a big question mark. They lost some good players. Um, who's going to be back? Uh, I like to hear what's going on with the quarterback situation. It's not just a, hey, here's the transfer. Here's your up. We're just going to give it to you. Um, I think that if Henry Columbia was still here, he it would be maybe even more of a of a, a battle for. Columbia to lose than it would be for Shelley to just have, but it's encouraging to hear that Peasley's given him a run. I think that's good, and that the there's there's some depth and some good battles going on with the wide receivers and, and the running backs. So there's things that I'm encouraged about to hear from Gary Anderson talking about his team before he really has had to put them through a lot of drills yet. Uh, Eric, you said that we got. I don't want to ignore our listeners because they're willing to be a part of our show. Four three five. 339-0321 if you want to text him. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the Utah State football season. What do you expect to see? What are your hopes? What are your expectations? What are you concerned about? You can call in also at 435-752-1069 if you want your voice to be heard on the show. We're welcome to have all our listeners, however you want to participate. Uh, Eric, you said you, we had a text today. Is that right? Yeah, 5763 has texted in saying, I want to be excited about the college football season, but it's hard to be. The season simply won't be the same. The normal excitement of college football is already ruined. Short season, potentially canceled games, no USU-BYU rivalry, 
I'm a lover of college football, but I'm struggling struggling to get excited about this year. I get it. I absolutely get it. I do. I understand. This this is different, right? Because now we don't know how many fans we're going to have. It's not going to be a full stadium. Uh, as you mentioned, the USU-BYU game is more than likely off. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It's a shortened season. And, you know, as we mentioned, we don't know if we're going to be able to play all ga- eight games. The hope is to. The desire is to. The want is to. But, you know, things happen. And, and sometimes they're out of your control. I, I But just, I mean... This is, as 5763, is a lover of college football. A lover of it. And, and if that's the case, you know what? Just to see our Aggies get onto the Maverick, uh, the, get into Maverick Stadium, play on Merlin Olton Field, and take snaps, and, and, and you get to hear some hitting, and, uh, and hopefully see our Aggies compete against, uh, you know, or compete for a Mountain West Conference Championship. We should be excited about that. I get it that it's different, and you're right. It's, it's not going to be the same, and... There's going to be some ups and there's definitely going to be some downs, but my goodness, we get to be a part of an Aggie football season, and that alone is Aggie Nation. We sh- we should get there. Uh, another another text that just came through from two seven seven six saying, "I don't like change." With a couple of sad crying emojis <laughs> following. Sorry, two seven seven six. Um, it says, and then he follows up, or or he she I don't know two seven seven six follows up. If you're not excited. You're a liker of football, not a lover. Ooh. Mm, throwing some smack. Can I take that five, seven, six? No. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, but it's true. Like, if, I mean, look, a lover of, I mean, I get it. It is different, but man, great iron football back in Maverick Stadium on Merlin Olson Field. And, you know, again, we don't know what the fan attendance is going to be like, but we should, we should be excited. A chance to compete for a conference championship. That's still in play. You know what? I love the NBA. I love the, the, the intensity and the excitement and the electricity of the playoffs. It's different this year. But it doesn't mean that I'm less interested in watching the games. Uh, it, it is different, though. I, I, get it, I totally get it. It is a different viewing experience. It's a different game to some degree as it gets played out on the court. And football is going to be similar it's different not having the full fan base there. It's going to be different with what happens on sidelines, what happens with travel, what happens with games not happening. Yeah, it's different. But let's celebrate the fact that they've worked some things out so games can happen. Yeah, that That's what I'm excited about. I, I get, yes, I totally understand the the anxiety and the disappointment with the way things are going. And that some of those traditional rivalries aren't there, and we don't know what the, and you're the right. schedule's going to look like. Yeah, it's, that, it's, it's different. It is. You're absolutely right. But at least it's it's at least it's, it's football. Happening. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree uh, more. Five seven six three uh, texts back again. Go Aggies! Let's kick this season off. Hey, there we go. I like that. There we That's go. Good. A little bit of optimism. Hey, look, we're we're going to be all right. And and I, you know what? Five seven six three is totally right. I love I love gearing up and Eric prepping with you. Getting ready for the week of BYU USU, I totally agree with five seven six three. Getting ready for that rivalry week with them, and uh, and duking it out is always one of the fun things. But, uh, and but again, we're not going to get that. But I get, but that's not what's most important for us. We're not Air Force. Like I get the Commander in Chief Cup is pretty cool, 
we got bigger things on our hands. We got a Mount West Conference Championship to compete for. And if they do go by highest percentage winning team, if they decide to do that, which Craig Thompson was, you know, when you listen to him, he's kind of like, yeah, we, we're still in that discussion of it. Um, makes you kind of wonder if they actually do turn towards that direction. And Utah State's in that group. Man, we're playing Boise State or whoever for a chance at the Mount West Conference Championship. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm absolutely all in for that. So, it's different. You're right. Definitely different. Yeah. Um, you know, what we don't know, this was talked about in the, uh, the the press conference earlier today with the Mountain West. Gary Anderson alluded to it a little bit as well, that we don't know what the schedule is going to look like. Um, you know, it's it's going to be developed. As they're, they're working on it um, because one thing that was made clear earlier today was you can't really look to see what was on any team's conference schedule and assume that's what the conference schedule is going to be this year. It's probably going to look different because of the Air Force situation, uh, because of travel situations or restrictions in Hawaii or New Mexico. There could be some different things in, at play there. So there are some some strange things that are going on that we don't know. But what we what we do know is that Gary Anderson saying that his team's excited and they're ready to play. And he's got guys like fifth-year seniors or, or other seniors, graduating seniors, who there was uncertainty whether or not they'd even have a, a season at all. And now it's going to be moved up and it's going to happen. And he says they're going to be focused. He's not worried about his guys getting themselves ready. 24th in game day. Well, I think everybody that's here is ready to go. They're excited about this opportunity and – our seniors are excited. You know, the, the future is still out there to be able to uh, be a senior again and be a junior again and a sophomore again and a freshman again. That's all out there. I don't think our kids are focused on that today. What they're focused on is, you know, starting fall camp. And if they're here, they're excited about being an Aggie. If they're here, they want to be part of this. Um, you know, we don't, we don't, in this, in this program, at least in our program, we don't, we don't have an opt-out. That's not an option. If you opt out, you're not with us. And that's the same thing as if you're a grad transfer or whatever it may be. And our kids have been fantastic just talking it out and communicating about that and where we go. It's just, you know, we're here, we have an opportunity. Um, it's right in front of us and our kids are excited about that opportunity. And, uh, you know, our, we're, we're going to do everything we can to help them. So our, our seniors, our juniors, our sophomores, our freshmen are ready to get started. They know they're in a highly competitive camp. Um, there is a lot of position battles that are going on and we're all excited to watch them and the kids are excited to get started. I like it. I like it. And I love the I love the part of there is no opt out. There there is none of that. If you're opting out, you're quitting. Yep, then you're done. And you're against us. And we don't need you. Uh I I love that. I love that phrase from uh, Coach Anderson. I'm totally all in there. Uh Eric, let's uh let's take a break. We got a lot to still cover today. We still got NBA preview, recap of the Nuggets Lakers game last night. We still got more Gary Anderson. Uh busy Celtics. high school football. Friday Celtics night. heat tonight, and of course our Friday five best. Can't forget that. Uh, we got to get that all done in about thirty minutes, give or take forty minutes. And still love to get your texts. Appreciate the ones that have come through. Yeah, thank you. Uh, how are you reacting to the news today? After it became official last night, and uh, more news revealed today about the Mountain West and its return to play uh, schedule and proposal for starting October twenty fourth, and really it's an eight game conference schedule. Ending on a, on December twelfth with the conference title game on December nineteenth. 
all coming up on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It's Eric France and it's RJ Salveson. It's 106.9 The Fan, the Full Court Press. 528 your time as you get you ready to wrap it up for a weekend. Eric, a great way to end the week to be able to have college football. Uh, John Russell texts into the show, former uh, Full Court Press alum, and always welcome to our show. We love John Russell. He says, the people that are disappointed are the ones who didn't go to games because it was too cold or because the opponent wasn't that good or because they had to get up early. Uh get up early the next morning. They are not fans, he says. Oh, come on now. I really I really detest this small tent fan base thing. What are you talking about? Uh Utah State needs to make it a a big tent. They need to let in as many people as possible to get in the tent. I really it that really gets under my skin when people start to put too many qualifications on if you're a fan or if you're not a fan. Like, you can't be a fan if you didn't do this, or if you watched well, that game, you can't be a fan, or if you didn't come to this game under these conditions, you're not a fan. Well, here's the thing, and I think what John Russell's saying, we had this discussion, was it two years ago when Utah State was really good, and yet there was, geez, what, 17, 16,000 fans, and the whole entire upper deck was empty, and then people were complaining, well, the timeouts are not entertaining enough. Well, it was still pretty cold, even though it was sunny and clear. Yes, that, those complaints are bothersome. Yes, uh, but we shouldn't be getting after them so much. They're like, well, fine, I don't want to be a fan. I mean, Utah State is not in a position where they can afford to just be petty over who is and who isn't a fan. Uh, but but I do get his point. I mean, and there's some fans, look, if it is a big-time game, which Utah State's had a few of them, and they don't show up, for various reasons, you don't have you don't have a lot to speak on. I mean, uh, here, go ahead. Two seven seven six is texted in. I think he. I, sorry, I'm calling all of you he. I maybe you're a she. I just say, you say it and just go. Two seven seven six says. I think he's just looking at the excuses for people not attending. Don't forget the deer hunt, pigeon hunt, scout camp, late night. Can't bring my own drinks at all. Yeah, there's. <laughs> there has been a long history of whining or various reasons people give for maybe not attending as many games. But really what it illustrates is that the Aggie fan base isn't as big as we would all hope that it would be. And it's a he, by the way, so he, you're right. He, okay, thank you. But it really it illustrates that the Aggie fan base isn't as large as we would all hope and maybe even expect that it is. So when something comes up that distracts a portion of that fan base, it's pretty clear. So really what needs to be happening is encouraging that fan base to grow. Invitations for more people to come and watch and participate. Okay, so he, not making people feel guilty and, and silly for not Eric, we being did there. that 2 years ago. You and I did that 2 years ago. We made people feel guilty for not going to these games. I know. I mean, I it's a it's a it's a tough line to walk. I understand and I've not always done my best at that. Because it, you want to say, look, it's just a great product on the field. Come watch it. You're going to enjoy it. it it's a great program. It's worth your time and your money. I, but there I, are also I, times where it's like, this is not a great team. 
But Eric, if you that, that go wasn't do, the case the last two else, years. I'm no, not but that wasn't you. the case the last two years. The last two years, we've had good, uh, good football and good basketball teams. Good football teams. Honestly, like two years ago, we were setting records at a record pace. An offense that was putting up an average of 40 freaking points or whatever it was per game. Yeah. And so then people were, were making excuses for not coming to these games. Last year they weren't. They like weren't the quality the of opponent wasn't good. Yeah. Like, well, and then and then 2008, 19, they weren't as good, but they were still competing. Yet not enough. I mean, not a lot of fans were attending for various reasons. Which, and so we've had the quality of product, and I and I agree with with two seven seven six. I agree with John. I think sometimes you know. We do have those fans who are complaining about the games, but yet don't even go in the first place. So what are you talking about? True. Those, those fence fans are usually the ones who are the, the loudest complainers anyway. But, I mean, you should be going to see your team because it's your team. Not because the opponent, not because of some history or some storied rivalry. You, you, go, you should be going to support your team. But I understand there's some people that it's new. Maybe they're they're from out of the area. Um, they've grown up watching another team who's had a lot of success, and uh, they want to experience it here. Is this team going to let them down? Certainly, there's been a lot of that over the years. But um, it, it's just about developing a culture, and it's changed a lot since the first time Gary Anderson stepped on on the on that campus. It's improved dramatically, but it still has a long ways to go. Uh, yeah. And one Again, of the, that's going to happen, though. Yeah, and it's you. Know, it, there's been flashes in the pan where the this uh, it is really good football, and then there's some years where it's average football, and so developing a really strong fan base really depends on sustained success. That makes a big part of it. When to try to get there, let's get back to some of the comments from Gary Anderson about how to develop his team this year among the challenges that he's faced with, and. Part of it is how he's going to be treating this fall camp this year and preparing his team for this upcoming season. Football goes. Well, there's just a lot of education. And we have had a couple um, opportunities to be on the field a little bit the last you know couple of weeks, which has really helped um, from a conditioning standpoint. And sure, from a football mentality and understanding, it's helped also. But you know, the biggest thing for us is we sit back and we look at it and say, okay, we have we have those 29 practice opportunities. It's far from normal. It's not it's not what it would be. Kids aren't in shape. They're not as strong. They're not as sharp mentally in a football standpoint of where they would be if they would have had spring ball and all of summer and you know all the strength and conditioning. Typically, this time of the year, they're as strong as they ever are. They're never stronger than they are when they walk into football camp. Uh, to start prepare for the season. Well, that's not the case right now, and that's the case for everybody. So no one can sit back and say, you know, this is this is just going to be a normal camp. Um, what you really worry about more than anything is just the the soft tissue injuries, um, hamstrings, calves, you know, quadriceps. Um, those kids are groins. Those kids are playing so hard and doing things that they're not used to. You have to really be careful of that with the. Uh, uh, with our strength coaches and coaches, and then listen to the players on the team. Now, on the other flip side of that, football is football. You know, we're we're going to be into this thing. I believe this team could be ready to ready to uh, put on shoulder pads today, um, but we are not allowed to do that because of NCAA rules. So we are going to scrimmage on the first available date that we can. Um, and that is going to be Friday for us. You know, I suppose we could do it a day early, but I don't believe in scrimmaging when we haven't, 
you know, had full pads on for at least a day prior to that. So um, we will scrimmage on Friday, and we will be physical, and we will scrimmage three times in camp. Uh, you know, we're being asked to play football, so we're going to prepare to play football. Um, and then we will uh, we'll see where that all takes us. But uh, if you're going to play tackle, you got to tackle. Or excuse me, if you're going to play football, uh, you know, you need to tackle and take advantage of those opportunities every time you get the uh, the chance to do that. Uh, again, they're going to have a hundred plus play scrimmage uh, next Friday. Is that next what he's Friday? Is what he's so planning. he's got a week, and he's going to ramp it all up, and then boom, Friday they're going to have a scrimmage. And uh, uh, as long as we're invited to the press conferences, we'll get you audio. We'll come back with that audio. Eric did a great job today of uh, of getting it for us, and uh, as he's part of the select media to be invited to that press conference. Awesome, awesome stuff from Coach Anderson. It, just the last thing, Ajay, on this and from Gary Anderson, and we'll, we can move on to some other things. But as you can imagine, as a head coach who's trying to manage and lead like a lot of young men <laughs> and try to figure out what their plans are and what's their future going to look like, um, it, it's been a challenge for Gary Anderson and this coaching staff. There's been ups and downs, uncertainty. Is, are they going to come back? Oh, we're going to roll it back. Uh, but maybe there's some glimmer of hope that we can – come back. So it's been an up and down couple of months for the Saggy football coaching staff. Um, and in the process, Gary's learned a few things along the way. So interesting to hear his comments on that. The last, how much of an emotional roller coaster have the last couple of months been? And, and how much have you learned as a coach during that time span? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's been very up and down for sure. Um, and, and it has been a, a roller coaster, and the, not so much emotionally necessarily for myself and, and for the coaches, but you know for the kids. And I think if you ask me what I've learned is is down those lines, I go right back to the young men in the program is is learning to understand um, you know the ups and downs that have come with this, the frustrations of communication, uh, what we've been able to tell kids, and then it hasn't come true. Um, those, those things are very, very tough, and, and to deal with when it's when the the inconsistencies are consistently there as we've gone through time. That's been really, really hard um, for all involved, but especially again for the young men. So what I've learned is patience. What I've learned is to understand that there is curveballs, and really, quite frankly, there's no one to point the finger at to say, "Well, this was wrong. That was wrong. We should have known this. We should have known that." It's a pandemic, so it's uncharted waters. There's no map. There's no you know, recipe for success, or here's the steps to follow. So, um, you know, the ups and downs of the pandemic have been um, frustrating at times, but, uh, you know, we've grown, we've grown through them. And so patience, um, understanding, uh, be prepared to handle, you know, the next curveball that comes at you and what today is normal may not be normal tomorrow. So those are some things we've learned, but I think it's made us stronger. I think it's kind of brought us together, you know, as a football team. And we've got a group of young men that look at this now as an opportunity that they didn't have. And uh, it's fun to see that in their eyes. Eric, uh, really good, really good thoughts there from Coach A. Uh I kind of wonder, you know, there was a question of after the season last year, is he too tired? Is he exhausted? Does he want to keep doing this? Maybe this was too much for him to be the head coach at Utah State. Maybe he should have stayed in Utah, so on and so forth. When I listened to this press conference, and I listened to the one with Craig Hislop this morning, the interview on KVNU, he sounds re-energized. He sounds upbeat. He sounds ready. Like, he's ready to just go here. Gary Anderson is a very driven person, and he's a guy, he's made this comment multiple times, who loves to have a plan, execute the plan, 
be successful at the plan. Um, and this whole coronavirus has been really hard on him and people who live their lives that way because there's so much uncertainty. We don't know. It keeps changing. So the fact that there's a plan, uh, there's a roadmap, something to work toward, I think is a really, really good thing for him and this football team. And he's excited to get him to get to work and get his guys on the field uh, working. And um, you know, I don't know how good this Aggie football team is going to be this year. There's a lot of big, big question marks about some key positions. But this is a guy who's who's excited and ready to go to work and try to mold this team in as short amount of time as he can. So is Utah State going to battle and be in position to win the conference title? Probably not. But they're going to try to go out there and play hard and uh, develop some guys and maybe you know make some uh, make some head turn. Eric, heads turn. I for don't a count of key this positions. Aggie team out of the Mountain West Conference Championship conversation based on the fact that we don't know who's going to play on the other teams. Hell, uh, we don't even true. know if other teams are going to be playing on some of these guys. That's fair. So with that, I think it opens the door for a lot of these squads, including a team like on the fringe of the bubble of the Mount West Conference Championship bubble conversation, like Utah State, like San Diego State, like Nevada. Give them an opportunity. I mean, I think they're going to make some noise. And uh, and again, if we go by the two highest winning percentages, who's not to say they're going to be there? Yeah, uh, Sure. Hey, uh, Eric, before we go to break, we're going to get to the, the uh, five best NFL, but my boy, Ronald Acuna Jr., you might know him. He plays for the Atlanta Braves. He's pretty good. He swings a bat. in the National League playoff bracket. The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. That's wallop deep left. Ronald Acuna Jr., bat flip. It's bombs away. one nothing on leadoff home run. By the way, that Shimoon shot. 495 feet. That's deep. Braves are going to win the World Series this year. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Braves okay. are going to win it all. Uh, we're going to get to our five best NFL players that we never got to see in person, that have already retired, that are no longer playing football, that we would love to see today. We'd love to hear from you. Your five players that you never got to see play in person, that are no longer in the NFL active, that you would love to see play in person today. Or may not even be alive anymore. Well, yeah, that means they're yeah. no longer in the NFL. Well, not necessarily. Some of the guys on my list are still so, alive. But I'd love to but see... But they're not But they're not in the NFL. Correct. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm just saying it doesn't mean they're... Some may still be alive, some are dead. I didn't dead. say they had to be dead. No, I'm just clarifying. What is there to clarify? <laughs> Keep you going. You clarify? Okay. No. You're good. You have to verify my computer screen because, oh, no, it's not back-to-back games. It's the 26th and 28th. You have to clarify. And verify and clarify your screen again today. Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good evening, everybody. Again, it's the Full Court Press, 546, your time here on 106 and the Fan. It's Eric France and I'm Aljay Salveson. Thanks for joining us so far in the two hours of the Full Court Press. Grateful to have had you. We'll be back uh, for a Monday as well. Don't forget, we'll have more Utah State football news for you. We'll have uh, more college football news. We'll to put a cap on it Monday. We recap the whole entire weekend, and it'll be a lot to get to. 
Uh, so we look forward to that again, four to six every Monday through Friday. It's a full court press, Eric France and myself, Aljay Salveson. Uh, Friday is our Friday five best. We take a category and we put it in there for you. So this category is going to be the five best players that are no longer in the NFL. They're dead or alive. Active. No, excuse me, not active in the NFL or playing that we never saw in person that we'd like to see. Now, Eric, let's do this. Are we doing these in order? Uh, yeah, let's do them in order. Yeah. Let's go from five to one. Yeah, five to one. Uh, number five on my list is Joe Montana. Wow, that's five, huh? Joe Montana's number five. Okay. Great quarterback, uh, multiple Super Bowls, um, gutsy, um, just the way that he played uh, and elevated people around him. Um, just uh, always kind of admired Joe Montana, type of player that he was, and would love to see him again in person. Joe Montana, number five. For me, number five is going to be Mr. Primetime, also a member of the Niners for one year. He played for the Falcons and then the Cowboys and for the Atlanta Braves, too. Uh, Deion Sanders was mm. incredible, man. No one can match up Jerry Rice like Deion Sanders could. No one can match up Michael Irvin like Deion Sanders could. No one can match up Andre Risen like Deion Sanders could. The guy could take anybody one-on-one in a matchup. He is the best defender ever as a defensive back in NFL history. Now he's going to be a head football coach. He is at Jackson State, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, number four. Uh, you'd mentioned him. I mean, he's number four on my list. Jerry Rice. Um, uh, similar with the Joe Montana. I mean, they were a great duo. Jerry Rice transcended and also played with uh, Steve Young. Got another ring with him. Just he wasn't always the the fastest wide receiver. There were other guys that were faster than him, but he was consistent. He was fast. Uh, but he was as fast at the end of the game as he was at the beginning of the game. Great route runner. Uh, he had great style. Uh, Jerry Rice, one of the most successful wide receivers out there ever. And he's number four on my list. He's so fast. He makes fast look like fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four on my list, Eric, is going to be Gale Sayers. Uh, look, Walter Payton, I'm sure, was incredible. But the Kansas comment, and I talked about it the other week, or on Friday, I believe, Monday or Tuesday, whatever day that was. But when he ran, he made it look like a deer. Honestly, he uh, he honestly could make it. I just his stride could cover five yards, the way he ran. Uh, I and I've seen highlights of Walter Payton, and they're, they're great. And also, by the way, can I put an honorable mention in here at number five, or not five, but four? Bo Jackson was this close from making my list. Ooh. Good choice. Bo Jackson was that close, but Gale Sayers was primarily football, and that's why I have him number four. Greg Madsen, by the way, texted in, how old are you guys? Making me feel ancient. De- Dion couldn't tackle, he says. Easy. Like, didn't need to. He picked off the passes. He didn't need to tackle the guy. These are guys that maybe we watched before, but these are guys we'd love to see again. It's not a qualification of age. Uh, number three on my list, Walter Payton. Oh. Dynamic running back, winner, uh, part of a great team with Chicago, Hall of Famer. Uh, I just thought that he always had a, a great eye for where things were developing on the football field and knew where to hit the hole. Um, it, uh, it just it was such a dynamic running back for Chicago. So Walter Payton, number three for me. Number three for me is going to be the freak Randy Moss. 
Uh, some of the catches you saw him like making highlights. I know we got to watch him on TV, but I don't know if it would have done it justice because in 2007 was not Randy Moss in its prime. That was like the edge of prime for Randy Moss, and he still was able to do that. 1998 Randy Moss, on the other hand, holy crap. That's unreal. And I, I, I could still, like I said, you watch some of those highlights, and you're like, how did he make that catch? How did he keep his feet in bounds? How is he able to out? I still remember the catch on Thanksgiving Day where he caught it, turned outside. There was four, no, three Dallas Cowboy defenders, and he out-sprinted every single one of them down the sideline. That guy was a burner. Pat Summerall was speechless on that play. That guy was a burner. Uh, number two on my list, Barry Sanders. Oh, come on. Barry Sanders, number two. Why? Why? Walter Payton is where on your list and Barry Sanders is where on your list? Walter Payton was number three, Barry Sanders number two. That's bad. Well, Barry Sanders didn't have the Super Bowl experience like like Walter Payton had. He was such a dynamic stop, go. You never knew where to go to try to tackle him and wrap him up. He was so shifty. And fast. And just to watch him make defenders look silly on a field was so fun to watch. He would dance around trying to find the right spot, make guys fall all over themselves trying to wrap him up. Uh, You couldn't tackle him in a phone booth. Uh, Barry Sanders, number two on my list. I'd love to watch him play again today. Walter Payton is behind Barry Sanders on who you'd want to watch play? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Whew. Barry Sanders should have had more years. That we were robbed of additional years of Barry Sanders. Well, that's because he had a horrible offensive line too. I mean, that didn't help. He was running for his life every single time he got the handoff. Uh, Eric, number two for me. This is this is when it was really, really, really tough for a, a myriad of reasons. Number two for me though is going to be Dick Buckus. I always loved mm. back when football was like, hey, I can clothesline you and there's no penalty. <laughs> hey, I can take you and put you in a headlock. And wrap you down. I can rip your head off. And there's going to be no penalty, and it's just get up or else get off the field. Dip Buckus, the way, I mean, the highlights I've seen of that guy, oh my gosh, I'd love to watch him play football with the rules being of old. Love to watch him play football. I'd do anything to watch Dick Buckus on the field with the old role standing and him playing football. Like, I mean, uh, Jim Brown said there was, uh, he said there were three guys he was scared of on the defensive ball side of the ball. Well, he didn't say scared of, but he would have been. And he had Dick Buckus on that list. Jim Brown. That tells you everything you know, need to know about that guy. Unreal. Oh, Jim Brown would be a good one on the list. Uh, number one for me, uh, Merlin Olsen. Uh, Is that homerism? Uh, you know what? I, no, I'm going to say no because this was a guy I'd love to see in person to see how he... I've seen clips, but in my lifespan, I never got to really watch him and appreciate the type of player that he was. And one clips that I have seen, he was such a menace on the defensive front. So disruptive. Uh, and uh, it wreaked havoc in the middle of the defensive front. Um, and uh, such a dynamic player with uh, his size and, and his strength and how quick he still was. Uh, those big hands, ferocity, but such a nice guy too. Uh, I would love to see Merlin Olsen play again. Just the type of intensity that he brought every game. My number one is my all-time favorite, Lawrence Taylor. I've never seen a guy put the fear of God in, in, in an offensive quarterback or a running back's eyes when they saw D when they saw Lawrence Taylor line up on the right side of the ball at the end, just huffing and puffing with that cold air coming out of his mouth, and they realized they 
They either got to take the, the snap and try to make a throw, or B, and even worse, they had to block the guy. Lawrence Taylor is, is one of the, no, excuse me. Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive player in NFL history. And in my opinion, not even close. The guy had, I mean, the guy made the offense have to put a running back in the backfield to try and block him. That was Joe Gibbs and the Redskins. Uh, he pretty much ended Joe Montana's career at the San Francisco 49ers. He single-handedly won games. Like, this guy, the highlights I've seen, I would die to see Lawrence Taylor on a football field back in those, I mean, it's just incredible. Love to get your thoughts. What former NFL player, this is across any era, this doesn't restrict at any time, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. What across any era, any player who's not currently playing, who would you love to see playing the game of football? And who would you like to see in person? What former NFL player would you like to see play today? 435-339-0321. Let's go to break. We'll come back, wrap it up, talk some high school football. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson here. Thanks for joining us on a Friday evening. Grateful to have had you. We'll talk more Aggie football coming up on Monday. Eric, let's get to it quickly, uh, very, very quickly, I should say, through the high school matchups tonight. Uh, Bear River will be uh, hosting Green Canyon tonight. Skyview will host Mountain Crest. Uh, who else? And Ridgeline hosting Logan. Logan. So, so some really juicy matchups. Go to cashvalleydaily.com. You can see the full schedule, how to follow along, how to listen, what radio stations, how to listen live on your mobile app it's, or on your mobile phone. It's all there on cashvalleydaily.com. We'll have the Preps Pick'em Contest presented by the Logo Shop. We'll have the winner on Monday. Who won $100 to the Locker 42 store to get yourself some Aggie gear? And the bread and butter play of the game. Stay tuned for that as well. Good night, everybody.